This is Peak Too Early, presented by SAV Racing, featuring Mike Gendron, Trent Fontanella, and Steve Gendron. Hey everyone, and welcome back to the greatest running podcast in the world. Peak too early. I am one of your hosts, Steve Gendron, and I am joined by Mike Gendron, who is somewhere off the coast of Connecticut. Mike, how you doing? Steve, you, that first like uh, weekend of March Madness, that Thursday and the Friday, um, when everyone goes to work but nobody wants to be at work and everyone's got like their phone propped up watching like multiple different games, that's what this past week has been for me. I haven't been able to focus on work. I've been watching like trials like of the 800 meters at one o'clock at work not being able to focus on anything uh it's been great i think it's more of an excuse for you know me to just get distracted and not have to actually do work but i've been uh glued to uh glued to my live stream and it's also made me uh, a closet instagram story addict so i'm working on that <laughs> yeah even even crushing the instagram stories follow us at peak too early pod on instagram if you're not already and as always at the House of Sav, we got Trent Fontanella. Trent, how you doing, bud? I'm doing good, boys. Um, I'm excited for the World Champions to be over, though. We've been uh, we've been rising and grinding on the podcast grind. <laughs> it's been 5 a.m. wake ups or interviews, so that means you know 4:30, 4:40 a.m. Uh, alarm clock. So um, it's a uh, it's actually been kind of satisfying. I don't mind getting up super early once we're rolling, but that alarm clock that goes off is just like, oh my god, what are we doing here? Why can't the world's be in freaking Boston or anywhere like <laughs> within three time zones away from us? Yeah, we are we are up once again before the sun even rises to to bring you guys the podcast. We had we had Andy Beyer on the show today. He's a U.S. steeplechaser, so he's on Doha time. We did a lot little rise and grind to to talk to him. So we'll get to that interview soon enough. But we wanted to talk a little bit about Worlds and just kind of recap some of the some of the things that we saw at Worlds kind of so far this weekend. Um, mixed four by four guys. Didn't even know that was a thing. Nope, not I. Literally, did they invent that like yesterday? So I was just googling it, right? Because we were saying let's talk about that during the show, and I googled it, and it was like all the swimming stuff come up. So when you write like mixed four by four relay, so then you got to specify track, whatever. It came in 2017. It's a uh, it's been around, I guess, very very new, very new. So that okay. makes perfect sense because the uh, American team. We broke broke the world record in the trials, and I was like, "Wow, that's pretty impressive! Like, this team must be really good if in a trial we're breaking the world record." Nope, it's just like a brand new event, and <laughs> <laughs> that that makes that makes a lot of sense. But cool story from that: Allison Felix coming out there running a world record in in the mixed four by four shortly after you know kind of just having a baby. So that's really impressive to to watch and see. But yeah, it makes it. Makes a ton more sense now that that just started um, Mike, a couple of years ago. Steve, you might know the story, but Mike and I uh, went down and ran a track meet in college. We ran the 4x15. Um, and oh, yeah. Stonehill College had never run the 4x15 before because who runs that in track? It was like a weird extra event they're doing at some big invitation on Williams and Mary. Um, but we were school record holders. Doesn't yeah, matter. That's right. School record, no big deal. No yeah, big deal. We got our school record t shirts and all that stuff. It was great. And that, that record went down like what the next year? not important I, I don't i actually don't even know but it doesn't matter because we were the first ones to have it so it's ours forever um 
Another on a serious cool. note, can we just talk about this mix real quick? I think this is freaking awesome. Like, it is I love cool. just like the the weirdness of it. Um, it's like you know, tennis has the mixed doubles, and you're always like kind of just weirdly intrigued by how they're gonna, uh, like you know, the the chemistry between teammates and that sort of thing. I think anything you can do to add just like fun new um, bells and whistles to an event like the four by four is just is just cool, and I like the innovation. I think it's awesome. Yeah, I mean, I feel like in the past we've talked about some of the more pointless events in the sports and like maybe we could kind of trim the fat of a of a couple events, but this is one I'm all I'm all for. I think it's great. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I I agree. And it's something different where because you're putting theoretically you're putting the best two men 400 and the best two women 400 on the track at the same time and it's getting everybody involved. It, you know, putting big names on the track, and I think it's a cool thing. I think you brought up, like, mixed doubles in tennis. I feel like mixed doubles doesn't get a lot of credit, not a lot of people watch it or know about it. I feel like the mixed 4 by 4 is the opposite. I think it can get a lot of steam, and I think it's something that could be a big deal. Yeah, I completely agree. Um, another really cool storyline from this weekend was Paul Chalimo running the last 800 of his 5K with no shoe on. The guy was just like, Screw this! I don't need spikes. I'm gonna take down the take down this you know heat of the 5K with no shoe on. Yeah, I'm not exactly sure where his shoe came off, um, but it was it was pretty cool because the the cool thing about worlds is I've gotten really into watching the trials like that. Usually big events like this, I just wait until the finals and watch that. But it is interesting because you have such a huge stage and the strategy of how you qualify and like where you try to finish. I feel like when Chalima's shoe came off, like he very easily could have just cruised in and tried to get a qualifier, and he was in a pretty good spot with like 200 meters to go. But he he seems like he had a little extra juice because he only had one shoe on and just kicked it into gear. It was pretty funny to watch him like bounce out to lane three with one shoe and just blow by everybody. He ends up winning the heat and just goes right up to the camera and just like pointing down on his foot. He was so <laughs> proud of it, but he was such a sav. I was pumped up to watch it. So he uh he became one of my favorite right there for that it's pretty pumped for him this is this is the like the shit we're talking about that excites us as track and field fans where you know things don't go to plan um something crazy like your shoe freaking comes off and then it's not like a mental game okay how do i make sure i get to the you know the finals without hurting my foot or whatever it's like let's fly, like let's f and go like let's see if we can take the dub one shoe two shoes no shoes who cares and then he crosses <laughs> and like you said mike the swag he had and i was reading some interview he did and someone was like, so who's the favorite for the final? He's like, it's Paul Chalimo. Like, he, he's just all swagged up and, and <laughs> just unfazed by that sort of thing. It's a total badass move. I loved it. Mike, you can uh, you can take the explicit tag off of this episode because Trent just <laughs> censored himself. Isn't yeah, that why? Right. We're, yeah, we're going, we're, going uh, we're doing it for the kids. The, <laughs> the transition from the first couple pods to now, where I feel like I would just say anything on my mind and now. <laughs> It's like I'm trying to actually, you know, censor myself a little bit. What has happened to us? <laughs> yeah, we had we had a uh, Trent Rogan for the first episode. <laughs> that was when um, no one listened, so I didn't care. <laughs> pretty funny, pretty comical. If you guys want to go back and listen to the pilot episode, we've come a long way since then. If you can hear the audio, yeah, that yeah, was really bad. Um, yeah, so that was some some pretty cool storylines just from the from the first week in action at Worlds. We I'm sure we're gonna have 
plenty more storylines for next episode. But let's uh, let's stop wasting time and let's get right into our interview with U.S. Steeplechaser, former NCAA national champ in the 1500, Andy Bayer. All right, we want to welcome U.S. Steeplechaser to Peak Too Early. Andy, thanks for joining us. Yeah, no problem. Thanks for having me. No problem, man. Well, um, we're we're uh, we're talking to you. You're you're in Doha right now, correct? In Doha. Awesome. So uh, my first question for you is, I just wanted to say that you know I think you know looking at your past results and seeing that you finished fourth, just missing out on a world's cha- a world's team four times in a row. Finally, your fifth time, you know, getting third at USA's and going to a world championship. What does that feel like? Oh, it feels great. Um, being fourth is always a bummer. And I've gone through like a lot of all the fourth places were kind of different. Like 2012, I was in college and it was like, oh, it's kind of sweet. I'm fourth place. I didn't necessarily <laughs> expect to get that. And then uh, 2015, I was kind of like a distant fourth. So it was like still also slightly easier to handle because it was like well I wasn't right there but then 2016 and 2017 it was both like very very gutting fourth places whereas like 2016 I was in second with 110 meters to go and 2017 I missed the spot by like point point something I don't know less than a second um and so it for sure like those last two were pretty devastating so to finally make a team was it was awesome yeah, that, that's crazy how both like throughout the course of your career, your perspective changes on a fourth place. And then also, of course, how the, the race plays out, you know, changes your, your feeling on that uh, big time. But um, so, you know, barring any incredible miracle, the three of us on this podcast with you will never, ever get a chance to uh, pull on that USA singlet. So just tell me what that feels like, Andy. What What is that feeling of, you know the the light blue uniform with the red usa across your chest feel like um yeah it feels like you like you made it um it's only (laughs) the uh the elite of the elite i guess get to do that um i mean it's pretty special in the u.s that like if you're on the team it means you're you're definitely like one of the top in the world it seems like so um across all events um we just have a pretty pretty deep nation of track athletes so um yeah, I think it just is kind of the that culmination of the work that I mean, I've been a professional athlete now for this is the end of my sixth season, so uh, or seventh season, I don't know. Um, and <laughs> it is like you know that's hours and hours and hours of work. And what's hard about being a pro is it's like, I mean, your regular season matters and like your times matter, but it's not like in college where you have like a conference meet and an NCAA meet three times a year for cross country and indoor and outdoor, you have one big championship. So every year it's been like, man, I'm so fit. I'm feeling good. I think I have a good chance to make this team. And then like July rolls around and it's like, ah, shit. Um, so <laughs> now it's like, uh, it feels like that finally has culminated in like a, a pretty, pretty good success. So feels good. Yeah, it's amazing the difference between third and fourth place at one of these meets, right? Because you said, right. you know, you put it on, it shows you're one of the best athletes in the entire world. I mean, you still were before this, right? It's not like right. yeah, something massively changed, changed in that one day. So. <laughs> right, definitely. So, so what's, 
What's that feeling when you come down like the last 800 and you know you're in a position? Are you just like so nervous you're going to trip over a barrier or something? Or are you able to kind of block that thought out until, you know, the finish line when it finally hits you? I actually, yeah, I feel like I blocked it out until like actually 400 to go. We had opened up quite a big gap. Mm -hmm. And so I um, knew if I didn't. So it was like Hillary and Stanley kind of started going and like not to say that I would have beat them by any means but it's like with 400 goes like all right just focus on every hurdle at this point because all you can do is like as long as you are safe and controlled you're on this team so definitely with 400 goes like do everything you do you you can do to just stay on your feet and run run smart because i've seen (laughs) enough people fall that last water jump to know that uh that that was about the only way i could have screwed it up at that point so um yeah and so, then it was just kind of a sigh of relief when i came oh, across i can it. imagine i can imagine um so tell us about doha what's it like out there when did you get out there and and what what's uh what's you know what's what's it been like staying there um it's been interesting i got here let's see i flew out wednesday got here thursday um and you know like the temperatures like they're hot but they don't seem crazy it's like highs in the high 90s and lows in the 80s somewhere but it's like the humidity I've never like I'm from Indiana where it's pretty humid in the summer but I've never felt anything like it um like yesterday I really I was I'm roommates with Ben True and I was saying like I don't think I went outside yesterday I did a run (laughs) on the treadmill in the morning and a run on the treadmill in the afternoon and uh just stayed in the hotel but um I mean, it's cool. I mean, the city is inter. It's like feels like they're just like um, just created the city in like the last like 15 years. You know, like it's like all of these brand new buildings and everything's like just spotless. Uh, but uh, yeah, it's you're definitely in the humid the humid desert right now. I guess uh, not a lot of like. Uh, my kids back home were asking me if I saw any animals and I was like, you know, I don't think anything really lives here. Um, (laughs) I've seen um, a few stray cats and, uh, and that's about it. So yeah, the Doha is interesting for sure. But uh, I mean, they're, they're doing a great job of like, you know, they're treating us very well and it's like very well run. They've obviously put a lot of money into the meat, but um but I can't say I could live here. That's Are for you, sure. Gotcha. It's uh, just would be brutal. Are you glad you're not a marathoner? Oh, definitely glad. Yeah, <laughs> that day I did do like a run, my run outside the day of the women's marathon at like, it had gotten dark. So it was like 7 p.m. or something. And I could not imagine putting one foot in front of the other for two and a half hours for 26 miles or whatever. It sounded impossible. <laughs> <laughs> all right so we've uh we've gone on long enough here let's stop burying the lead you okay. are a uh you are a, a steeplechaser and yeah. uh do you know how important water pit falls are in the sport of steeplechase <laughs> <laughs> do i know how important they are oh yeah As i mean like... it's, it might be one of the most entertaining things in track oh yeah there's some good ones out there i've had a couple <laughs> myself um but uh yeah, you always you don't want to be on the wrong side of the the steeplechase no. <laughs> barrier fall. It's 
it's a good YouTube clip, but not fun with a K to go in the race. Um, yeah, for sure. It, well, it really you know. it really puts a damper on the on the old <laughs> on the old race when it happens. Yeah, obviously I'm I'm kidding here a little bit. It is it, it's a little bit of a shame that like a race as cool as the steeplechase in a lot of people's minds is you know kind of defined by you know these these crazy things and falls like that. Right. Does it ever like frustrate you that? You know, maybe sometimes people don't look at the steeplechase in the same way as the the other races because of stuff like that and because it's such a unique and different event. Definitely. Um, And I mean, I think it's easy to do. Like, I wasn't a steeplechaser in college. Like, I ran 1500 all through college, didn't start steepling until I joined Jerry's group. Um, And, but like, I don't think you really can have the respect it deserves Mm -hmm. for the event until you do it because it's like, um on paper it's like you're running i don't know like a really good steep like eight flat is 64 second laps which is like you know pretty mm-hmm. i mean for 16 miles is not slow by any means but for like a 3k it's like oh that's manageable but when you throw in 35 jumps and you don't realize how with like 800 to go how 30 how high 36 inches seems when you're when you've done it 20 times already and you're um pretty exhausted so i would say like it's something that i get it that like if people haven't done it it's it's hard to imagine but it is it is frustrating that yeah it is i mean and yeah like you've talked the water jump falls it's like especially in europe they like the water jump is just a like a basically a shellacked piece of wood they don't (laughs) like in the u.s they do they do put track surface on it so it's like a little grippier but uh here it's just a piece of wood so if you don't get your spike plate right on it um it can be pretty ugly and like a few laps in once there's water all over the the barrier it gets pretty pretty slick so um yeah i think people like underestimate how much um precision you kind of need while being completely exhausted yeah and those barriers do not move for our, for our non-track they, athletes listening, those things are pretty pretty firm in the ground there. Yeah, 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 yeah. And they hurt if you hit your knee or your anything on them, and they do not do not feel good. So, yeah. <laughs> and so I think you're, you 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 mentioned that you ran the 1500 meter, um, 1500 meter uh, NCAA champ, by the way. Congratulations, that's awesome. Oh, appreciate it. Thank you. So now, what went into the decision for you to switch over from something like the the 1500 meters, the mile, to the steeplechase and kind of compete at that at the the pro level? Um, I think a lot of it was Jerry when I moved out there. Is like I was a good 1500 meter runner. Obviously, I just run 334, and um, but I was more of a strength based 1500 meter runner. Like I, I don't have like that crazy like Craig who's run 144 whatever this year, 145 flat or whatever he's run. Or like Matt, like all those guys that are like um, really good 1500 meter runners, but also have that 800 meter speed, which I think is something that is pretty important when it comes to like world champs and Olympics, where you're trying to get through these rounds that can be pretty tactical. That helps to have that like really strong speed. Um, whereas I can run 334, but I could also run like I was a really good. I've run 738 and 3K, and I'm like strong. Um, and so Jerry was kind of looking at it as like, well. I think you're a really good 1500 meter runner, but if you want to want a medal, I think you should move up essentially. Um, and he was like, you're really good at the, the 3k. He was like, you're built kind of like Evan. 
I think you should try hurdling, see how it goes, um, essentially. And so that's what we did. Um, and so when I, that first spring, when I was out there, we started hurdling a bit and, um, and I took to it pretty quickly. I mean, uh, I wasn't like instantly amazing, but I, I could get over hurdles well. And with, with enough work, it, um, has worked out pretty well. So yeah, it was kind of like, um, and I do think like, that's probably my, at this point, my best shot at the medal at a medal is, um, steeple. Cause I think once you can get on the U S team, like everyone's pretty good. So I need to make another jump. Like I need to get under eight ten for sure, at least to, to have, and I think I'm there. I just need to do it in a race. So, um, so yeah, steeples opened up that opportunity and, um, kind of, kind of playing off the strengths I had, um, was the idea of, of starting the steeple. Do you miss the 1500? Definitely. Everyone wants to be a really good fit. Like the mile in the 1500 as a distance runner is great. It's like you hurt a little bit, but it's short. It's fast. Everyone in the world like loves it. It's like, you know, everyone thinks it's the coolest. So, um, and I like, I mean, I got to run a few 15s this year. I'd like to be doing a few more, but um, um, yeah, if I could, I mean, if I, that would probably be the best, but I like the steeple. Like I, I didn't, I was a little tentative when Jerry first brought it up, but, um, I've grown to love it and it's kind of a fun, fun change of pace. Like, you know, as a distance runner, you're always just like slogging out miles and doing a lot of hard sessions and like the steeple adds like a different, like you're working on something technical, which is kind of uh, a fun change. And, um, provides like a, a different avenue to like work on things. So I like it. Sure. I think I had the same, you know, years ago when I you know, was introduced to the steeplechase, I had the same first impression as most people. Like, you know, what, what kind of drugs was the person who invented this sport on? <laughs> but, um, <laughs> but, you know, you, you get into the history of a little bit and, you know, there's the whole, you know, it originated the um, people were racing from, uh, church steeple to church steeple on the way there was rivers and stuff that they had to jump over and along the way how much how much do you buy into like the history of, of the sport and or you know is that something that is important to you and a, a point of pride for you uh yeah definitely I mean I would say so I mean um we were actually talking about this this morning like the like track events how they like like uh translate to the real world because right. like uh, ben was talking about like long jump and like jumping over a river or something and then it's like you know like the triple jump it's like well is that really like well there's, <laughs> a, stone. there's a stone let me see if i can <laughs> hop on each of those um like do they but um yeah i mean i like that the steeplechase is kind of like a the tracks version of an obstacle course between one one point and another um and I think, I mean, I think the steeplechase itself has a, a history of some really great athletes, which I like to, um, to pay attention to as well. Um, and it's fun that the U.S. is getting to a point, like, I mean, we definitely were always playing Kenya still for, I mean, unless we have a major renaissance, they definitely have hold the, hold the history in terms of like, what, how many medals have they won since this, like, 80% of the medals since 1960 or maybe more than that, they've won. Uh, yeah, but, yeah. Uh, but it's cool that we're kind of having like a rebirth in the U S and it's getting pretty competitive in the steeple. And um, it's cool to kind of 
be I like over the last 10 years I feel like we've been um, kind of like probably five of the five of the top 10 U.S. steeplechasers are from the last decade so that's kind of cool that um, we're we're bringing our a-game and um, and Evan's been a lot of that so it's cool got to give him a lot of credit for for pushing us to new levels so yeah awesome definitely yeah. So um, I, I've read that uh, your life has changed. Uh, your personal life has changed quite a quite a bit over the past year. And, you know, you, you and your wife have adopted two kids. And uh, I just can you talk a little bit about how that has changed your your life, your your life as a professional athlete? Oh, sure. Um, yeah, definitely a lot different. Uh, it's been awesome. And it's been like a, a whirlwind of an experience. But I don't know if you guys have kids, but um, it definitely changes things. Uh, it's, it's, you know, like caring, caring for two small beings is a lot of work. Um, and, uh, and you just, I mean, it's harder to be away, but I, overall it's been like, I think a really good experience. I like, um, there, our daughter is 10 and our son's eight. So they're like a fun age in that, like, they're getting to know track a little bit through this and then we're hoping like um working on getting passports but like i think it's a great way that they can like kind of experience the world as well like um, yeah. hopefully make some uh do some good trips out of it and like they're they kind of have no clue what's going on in terms of like <laughs> i like I don't really get what the world championships are yet um and it but they like it's cool to see like they have a like an interest in running now that is like um fun fun to be a part of and um but yeah they're they're great kids and it's fun like also 10 and 8 year old is kind of a fun age to like uh we get we instantly get to do a lot of fun things uh play play sports uh we're not staying up all night taking care of a crying baby um <laughs> and so but yeah it's been like I would say it, it hasn't been like easy, you know, like caring for humans is like challenging, but it's been very rewarding. And like, we've seen a lot of positive growth with our kids and, um, and yeah, they're just fun to be around. So, um, I have to hand it to my wife. She's like, every time I leave, she becomes a single mom for like, you know, two weeks at a time, 10 days at a time. Um, and so she's, um, kind of been a, a hero in that, like, she's, um, handled that really well and it's like mm. um like I know I it's like it's hard to be alone with two kids all day <laughs> so <laughs> uh and especially she's a teacher so she's like 24 hours a day with kids when I'm when I'm gone and so like yesterday they hung out with some friends for like three hours and she was like I have I get to go for a run and like uh maybe like go to the grocery by myself or something you know like so uh, definitely different, but it's been fun. And I like that. Um, yeah, it's fun to have a family and we're 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 making the best of it. So, um, yeah, it's been great. I ha And we desperately need like a lot of adoptive parents in our country right now, because just with drug epidemic and like all all these other things that are going on, it's like um, if, if someone feels called to adopt, I highly it's like. I would say prepare yourself and like it's not like a, an easy task but it's a worthwhile task or worthwhile endeavor I guess so yeah it's 
been great. You got him at a, a real cool age, too. You hear sometimes professional athletes talk about, like, hanging on at the end of their career because they want their kids yeah. to, like, be able to see and remember it. But right. at this age, it's like, you know, they're going to be able to remember if you come home, you know, with a medal at some big event or something, or, or they'll have these, like, distinct memories of watching, you know, dad run track, uh, like you said, across the entire world. So that's, like, a pretty unique experience that you're going to have there. Definitely. Yeah, they were funny. At, after U.S. Champs, they uh, the NBC guys were, like, talking about it briefly during the broadcast and then in during the interview afterwards i said hi to them or whatever and they thought they were like famous because their names were on <laughs> tv so that was fun i think in uh, other professional sports you see like i don't know at the baseball star game or something like that players and their kids and their kids are wearing you know their their dad's uh jerseys or Jersey. something like that we gotta get a uh, andy bayer singlet made up or something like that so oh, your, yeah, your kids can idea. be can be running around in that but um, like so one thing that has uh, is fascinating to me is the olympics is next year right and i'm sure that is on your radar right you're at the world championships so that's your focus but next year is the olympics and this is the dress rehearsal for it right i mean this is you know the the only chance you get to be on a stage like this and really practice for the olympics and the Olympics is such a interesting beast where it only comes around every four years. And, you know, you got your kids and uh, you're at a, a certain stage of your professional career. It's like, where am I going to be in four years? Am, am I going to be right, yeah. still going after it again in four years? Am I am I going to be in this good a shape? Or am I going to be injured or healthy? And it's like, how much pressure does that put on the next, you know, 12 months of your life and training and to, to yeah. know that? This is this is a, a you know a huge deal for you and you finally got the taste of putting on that U.S. jersey. How could you uh you know not think about that at this point? Definitely. Uh, yeah, it is an interesting and like I do think a lot of people really let it get in their head and that like yeah only every four years and yeah at this point I've done two Olympic trials. This is my third going to be my third, so I'm not counting on 2024. Like we'll see. Um, but yeah. yeah, definitely not like a guarantee. So have to make this one count but I also like feel like I'm in a good spot in that like last fall honestly like like October through like January of last year I had probably like the worst training of my life and that I was like we had adopted our kids I was trying to go to grad school for some dumb reason we were remodeling <laughs> and our house um and so like I had like piled like way too many things on my plate and so I like literally almost retired from running like 20 times in like <laughs> four months been there <laughs> uh, but I did like keep trading the whole time and then like finally when things settled down like we I mean it's like we got in a great groove in that like especially adopting kids it's like you know six months is not a very long time to know or like we were like getting to I guess know each other like work through things with them and then um I like took a break from school moved back into our house that we were modeling so like once we settled down I've like had like a great period of training since then and it's been like felt like light and easy and like I think finally making this team also it's like almost given me like a new fire but also like a relaxed fire and that like mm. I am confident and I'm um and I feel like I'm I'm I was telling my wife this year is like I'm it's October and it's still track season but I don't like I'm excited to like 
compete well, have a little downtime, but like a lot of years it's like you're just ready to be done and you're ready for like that off season. And this year for some reason it's like I'm feeling feeling good, feeling like excited to to compete here, take a little downtime and then like gear up again. So like I'm I'm feel like I'm in a good spot in that like I'm really excited, I'm really motivated. I think there's a lot in the tank and I think I can make the team, but I'm also like like I've made a team now, so I feel like I have that monkey off my back and it's kind of like can just go into it with like um like this this really positive motivation that is like not like a ton of pressure. I mean I'll talk to me again in June and ask me if there's <laughs> a ton of pressure. But like right now I'm just feeling like I'm uh I'm ready to go. I just wanna see what I can do and um and I think I'm good enough to make the team. So it's just about about keeping that that like positive energy and like carrying that through and i think it, it will lead to like i mean if i can have a really good off season and a really good good early indoors i just feel like i'll be at another level compared to this year even so um, i'm excited for it cool awesome yeah yeah well hey uh this has been an awesome interview it's been great having you on we're going to be cheering you on later this week um, but we end every interview with a quick game mike do you want to kick off uh, down the home stretch yeah, so down the home stretch, we just uh, we're gonna rapid fire questions at you. We pick a specific topic for every uh, one of our guests, and for you, we're just gonna talk about uh, Doha and Tar in general. So we're just gonna have rapid fire questions for you. Trent's gonna start right. you off, and uh, the timer will start after that. All right. Yeah, you gave us a little little taste of it, but we need to know more as track fans. <laughs> I, I honestly okay. have never heard of Doha before uh, the World Championship was there. So, uh, Lonely Planet says the souk wakif is the best thing to do in doha what is the souk wakif <laughs> is it the market i don't know <laughs> i think it's the market so i'm not for sure on this but uh they have like this old old town mark like kind of like old i guess like i picture like moroccan market even like with like rugs and like all that stuff and i could be way off on this because <laughs> that's but that's one thing some people have been talking a lot about I mean, the other thing I've seen is a lot of people taking, like, camel rides, but I can't right. imagine that's what they're talking about. <laughs> um, are you going to lobby to get any air-conditioned tracks back home? Uh, definitely not. I like <laughs> just the, the nice hot. Let's just deal with it. It's not It's not this hot back home. All right. I'm uh, pretty bad at geography. Can you explain to me where the heck Qatar is? Yeah, we're like right by Saudi Arabia, Iraq, Iran, like very much Middle East. Uh, right. Yep. I'll look. I'll look on a map. I'll see if I can figure it out. All right, there you go. <laughs> Google Maps will help you out. What's the uh, best souvenir you've bought so far? I have not bought anything. A ten Ooh. ten dollar Uber ride, I guess. <laughs> that blue USA jersey, baby. Yeah, exactly. There you go. <laughs> Do they have any nightlife in, in uh, Doha? I guess nightlife, well, that two parts to that. Not a lot of nightlife in terms of alcohol is, like, not really a thing here. Um, there's 100% tax on it. You can't take it. Uh, oh like, it's not part of their native culture, so they, like, I don't think many native culture. It's just for tourists if you're going to buy alcohol. But it's so damn hot here during the day that, as soon as the sun da- goes down is when you see it, like kids are at like families are at the park. Everyone's like, everyone does their stuff from like 
6 p.m. to 10 p.m. because that's the only time they can bear it. Hey, if you get on the podium, that tax is worth it. Uh, oh, yeah. There we go. $15 beers on me. <laughs> All right. So every time anybody's ever traveled to ever, they talk about how nice the people are. So are the people super nice? Yeah. So nice. <laughs> uh, very friendly. As long as you're following what you're supposed to do, as far as I know. Don't mess up, though. You might. It's easy to end up in a Qatari jail, I think. <laughs> well, let's not do that. You got to race tomorrow. <laughs> All right. Good point. I'll mind my P's and Q's. <laughs> All right. Do, uh, do you feel like any of the locals, do they seem to be excited about the event? Do they care about track and field? Um, well, if you look on Twitter, I would say no. Uh, basically, the stadium's been <laughs> empty. Uh, actually, though, distance-wise, it is... We have a good distance crowd because I don't know if you like, I don't know, something ridiculous like 80% of Qatari people don't have to work. And so they just hire in all their labor. Ooh. So they have a lot of Indian, Kenyan, Ethiopian laborers. So, like, I guess the Kenyan and Ethiopian crowd during, especially like the 5K prelim and the steeple prelim, women's steeple prelims the other day was like pretty raucous. So, cool. Um, so, I guess. We, there'll be a good hopefully a good crowd for the distance races actually they just don't care about the hundred apparently (laughs) (laughs) all right last question last question why the hell did they host this event in doha money um (laughs) they have a lot of money and so how do they pay the money that's all i can think of awesome well hey man thanks again so much for coming on this has been a this has been a ton of fun Yep, appreciate it. Thanks for having me, guys. Uh, thanks, thanks for waking up. It must be like 5 a.m. in Boston, right? Are you guys? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, we're grind. grind. <laughs> yeah. All right. There you go. Well, have a good day. Have a good Monday. Right. Thanks, good man. Luck, man. Good luck. Good yeah. luck tomorrow, Andy. All right. See you guys. Thanks. Thanks again to Andy for coming on. That was a ton of fun. So uh, Trent did some quick research. Looks like you can get Andy to win first place right now at plus 15,000. So for those of you that aren't too familiar with gambling lines, if you put 100 bucks on Andy to win gold this week, you could turn $100 into $15,000. I don't know, guys. That was an awesome interview. I'm thinking of taking a long shot here. Yeah, he's got me all kinds of fired up. I'm I'm seeing the money right now. Let's let's sprinkle a little bit on. Let's let's put our funds together and uh, get a little bit going for our boy Andy. I always I love that mindset, Steve. Where do I do I think you know something can happen? No, but then if I put a hundred dollars and it can turn into fifteen thousand, I mean, how do you not put a hundred dollars down on Andy to win the steeplechase? <laughs> and then you start like counting your. You know, your chickens before they hatch, it's like you start going online, looking at new cars, and it's like you already have the money in your pocket. Yeah, I I, uh, I had a new computer all picked out that was ready to go as soon as the Bruins won the Stanley Cup, <laughs> um, which I thought was, I thought was, you know, I thought that money was already in my pocket, but sure enough, went to Game 7, lost, and uh, I don't have a new computer. Um, but anyways, uh, some of the other lines we got, let's see, top U.S. steeplechaser Hillary Bohr at... 
um, plus 3,300. So he's the favorite in the on the U.S. side. Um, Trent, you got any of the other, any of the other lines uh, pulled up? Pretty good chance of making some money if you're betting on the, the home team here with the USA. 800 meters, we got Aju Wilson, who we talked about a little bit on the pod last week. She's at minus 450. So maybe Ooh. not your, your best odds, but it's just fun to see an American, just like a complete, you know, dominant favorite like that. And then you also have Raven Rogers. Uh, she's at plus 1,200, but that's the third seed right now, according to Vegas. And then Sierra Brown at plus 4,000. So uh, three of the top six in the women's 800. If you're looking for some money right there, maybe sprinkle around the entire USA team. Um, and you can just root for the blue, and you'll be in good shape there. And then I think the other fun stuff is, you know, at least in our little world, the 1500 meter. You got Chariot at minus 185. He looks like he's been, you know, unbeatable. We, we talked to Angles uh, and he was saying how, how good he's been running right now. Um, so, you know, is there a chance he goes down? Because minus 185 is not, not a crazy favorite right there. Um, you can get on the USA guys. You got Centro at plus 2500. I think he's the only USA guy that's listed odds for. So wait, hmm. Centro's at at plus twenty five hundred. Plus twenty five hundred for Centro. They're not really. I, mean, I don't know how you don't take chance. that, guys. I don't know guys, how you don't take that because we got to get on this before the line moves. That is like, I mean, I mean, it, as much. I mean, Engels is our guy, right? Like we, we, but but he was even telling us how Centro's kind of rounding into form right now. He's a former gold medalist, guys. Like I think we need to like hammer that yeah i mean i've all obviously made my centro takes very known but plus 2500 for a olympic gold medalist I, that's i don't i don't you know let that go pretty easily you know <laughs> this is uh this is some sweet insider information we have i know uh, we got our boy craig hooking it up they made uh they made betting like illegal for ncaa athletes right because maybe you have insider info I never had insider info on anything as like a little D2 athlete. There was no way I could make any, you know, money that nobody else could make. Uh, but now it's we actually do have some some fun insider information. So we got, we should probably use it. So some pretty interesting stuff there. Looking forward to maybe making a couple wagers. I'm sure we're going to talk about it quite a bit next week um, as these races kind of come up and you know seeing how they shape out. Uh, one thing we wanted to talk about was so far TV coverage at Doha. And just the in general, the their production value in Doha has been pretty amazing. It's been fun to watch. I mean, there's been, you know, great coverage so far, cool TV angles, you know, pyrotechnics, all that stuff. Yeah, like I said at the top of the show, I've been following it pretty closely and I've been having a good time watching it. But they have done some really cool stuff. I remember in one event uh, in the hundred, they had this pretty cool like underneath cam where when the runners are in the blocks, it it shows up it kind of looks like the brady bunch they have like the eight squares on the screen and you can see all the the racers in the block and then when the gun goes off you see the you know how everybody gets out of the blocks and it's pretty cool to see because that's just an angle and an element of the sport especially for people who aren't intimately aware of how the blocks and the 100 meter works to be able to see that action was was pretty cool so i, I enjoyed that another thing that they had was for one of the events, I can't remember which one it was, but they had this crazy entrance with, like like Steve said, pyrotechnics and fireworks and this massive screen behind them. And they were coming out, playing this loud music. It was a super cool watch. I was like, oh, man, this is hyped up. This is awesome. And then they panned to the crowd, <laughs> and the place is empty. I was getting a kick out of it. I was like, 
what are these athletes feeling like right now? <laughs> They're building them up like it's the it's the damn Super Bowl, and then there's just nobody in the stadium. So that was kind of funny too. I think I read somewhere, and maybe this was just a a rumor, and I guess it's not true at all, but. They're thinking about, you know, paying like actors to be in the crowd and, and getting kids like uh, school age kids to get out there. It's like getting extras for a movie, right? You, you pay anybody, you know, a free lunch just to go and show up and, and be in the scene. So it does raise a good question, though. Like, is it is it worth to have it in this beautiful stadium? Right. They got all the, the, the high tech stuff, all the good camera and stuff. Um was it worth it to go there? And I know they probably made a little money on the side. It sounds like everything has been like corrupt with Qatar getting all these big events. But is it worth it to go there if if there's nobody there? Like, what's that like for the athletes? And it does look bad on TV. Yeah. Hey, IAAF, if you're looking to pay a couple people to like bring the noise <laughs> and like get the crowd hype, where are you guys? I will get very loud. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The uh, the point Andy made was pretty interesting, right? Uh, about how um, some of the migrant workers will, you know, their families and stuff, and they're the big track and field fans of Kenya and Ethiopia. Maybe that's what we need. Just like if the Qatar people aren't excited about it, let's fly in some Americans, right? Let's fly in some people from all over the world and and fill up that stadium. I don't, I don't know. know. He was talking about the hundred percent. Yeah, <laughs> I was gonna say the hundred percent alcohol tax would really do a number on us. <laughs> Oh, man. yeah. And I, I, I remember they did this like they did this shot where they panned out just on the TV coverage um, and they, they panned out and they showed the whole stadium. And there was like these black things like on the screen moving around. And I was like, what the hell is that? And they just have like drones kind of floating around the arena with cameras and stuff on it. It's pretty wild stuff. It's such like a, like a laboratory setting. It's yeah, it's, you know, very, the, very sterile. Right. The best athletes in the entire world, like put in this amazing air-conditioned you know track um and and compete for a world championship with so many cameras everybody's watching you but nobody actually there and nobody making noise maybe it'll change or some of the, like the distance events like andy said but it's a it's a bizarre experience trent do you think um do you think the feed delivers to qatar I know the feed delivers to Qatar. Of course, the feed does. All those professional athletes, everybody listening right now, if you know you you don't want to pay these crazy taxes on stuff out there in Qatar, hit up thefeed.com because the feed is an online nutrition vendor and number one resource for athletes. The feed offers everything you need for training, racing, recovery, sleep, anti-aging, weight loss, and heck, the feed even carries products that can help cure a hangover from those 100% taxed beers <laughs> and for a post-race celebration. The feed carries over 200 brands of the best sports nutrition, recovery product, and supplements. Whether you're looking for hydration products, gels, energy bars, foam rollers, CBD products, or quality supplements, the feed carries it all. Brands like Merton, Goo, Honey Stinger, Cliff Bar, Infinite, RX Bars, Vital Fit, all of your favorite brands are available at the feed. Go to feed.com, promo code P2E15 to get 15% off your purchase today. You got to do it before November 31st so you don't lose it. And then when you do that, you got it for the rest of the year. Get there now. I'm eating all kinds of protein bars. I got my new hydration after my long run yesterday. I had to mix something in after long run, but post-Patriots game. And trust me, that Patriots game 
made me have a couple extra beers yesterday, so I needed that noon hydration. Get to the feed right now. Does uh does the feed have uh does the feed.com have Miller Lite? If they don't, they should. Because <laughs> you need to get that to Qatar with no tax on that. Oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, go to the feed. We love the feed here at Peak Too Early. Um, guys, I wanted to just bring something up. Um, I I was watching football yesterday. I had the red zone on after the Patriots game, and I kind of throw threw on the you know the NBC gold on my phone, and I was kind of scrolling through and you know just kind of catching up on some of the events that I miss. Um, and this comes up every couple of years when I accidentally catch a either see it at the track or I catch a uh, catch a clip of it online. Race walking. What the hell? Like what the hell are we doing here? Like I I I'm okay. Like. It is the most absurd thing in the world, and it completely goes against everything I love about this sport. What you know, what I love about this sport is it's completely arbitrary. It is a starting line, it is a finish line, and if you're the first to the finish line, you're better. It doesn't matter how you do it. And then race walking comes around, and they lump it in with the sport of track and field and distance running, and completely flies in the face, flies in the face of everything I love about this sport. Yeah, you know, right now we're trying to like hype up some of the the events in our sport that don't get enough credit, like the heptathlon, the decathlon, the steeplechase, um, and we're trying to familiarize people with them, right, and and make a name for them because they're awesome events that people don't give enough credit to. I, part of me feels like we need to have a race walker on to try I'm and just explain gonna say that. to me what the hell is going on, how you get into that sport, and you know, what, how you practice, I, I just, I don't get it, and it, it doesn't do any good for our sport, it definitely doesn't, because people see that, and it's, like, comical, and they laugh at it, and it definitely puts a damper, and, and if you say, like, I mean, I suppose, if you get to put on the USA jersey and go to a world championship, it, you know, I might get behind it if I had a chance to do it, but I still feel, like, a little embarrassed, I think, I don't know. So wait till you hear this, boys. My track coach, the head coach, like my junior and senior year of high school, so not the distance coach, the head track coach, was an Olympic race walker. She oh competed. My yes. Shout out Joanne Dow. She competed at the Berlin Olympics when we were in high school. Oh, my. And, and so they implemented, like, for fun, at the end of every track meet, there was a 400-meter uh race walk that she was in any track meet we were in the like someone do a 400 meter race walk so everybody guys girls throwers runners like everyone just gets on the line and starts just like trying to beat you know joanne dow or like doing the race walk around it's kind of fun you know you gotta like throw your hips out way like side to side right because the rule is both or only you can never have uh both feet off the ground at one time so it's like kind of strategy of doing it now i agree it's not like a real sport but it was kind of fun to do in high school. Maybe we, we need to have Rhonda to, get her on. to ask her about it. Because, like, I, I mean, you, so you, I, was, I was watching the 20K, right? And it's like, I know there's there's rules about, like, you know, what's considered walking and what's considered running. But, like, some of the, you know, some of the, I was watching the girls. And some of them, like, look super smooth and they look like they're walking really fast. But then other people look like they're kind of, like, jogging or they're taking, like, a jog step in there. And I was like, wait a second, I didn't think you could do that. I just don't understand it at all. I want, like, if we're going to do the race walk, all right. But we can't be doing this, like, 20K and 50K race walk. <laughs> I don't want that. What I want is, like, a race walk 400-meter hurdles. 
That's what I want. <laughs> I mean, that would be wild. Think about how crazy that would be. That I would watch that. Or the or the steeple, they have the water barrier, but they can't yeah. like jump off it. They have to step down, and it's a you know thigh deep water. <laughs> Just make it. Uh. I, I I can't watch an hour's worth of race walking. It needs to be action packed and get me hooked in. Definitely one of the more bizarre events. I feel like that should be on like ESPN Ocho or something like that. <laughs> um. Anyways, uh, we wanted to talk a little bit about the marathon. So we had the the World Championship marathon this past weekend. We also had Berlin, and you know, for all intents and bur- purposes, I feel like Berlin was the World Championship. But um, so unbelievably hot in Qatar that you know a, a a bunch of the marathoners ended up dropping out. Again, you know, we were talking a little bit about it with Andy, but. It just seems like this was kind of a ridiculous spot to hold the world championship. Um, guys, any thoughts on the marathon? I guess my first initial thought is why go through this deal where we're going to clump in the marathon world championship with all the track events at Qatar? Why not just dub the Berlin Marathon this year as the world championship? I mean, it's happening the same week. I know it's not in the same place, but I mean, the Berlin Marathon is already one of the biggest marathons in the world, and you're going to split the field anyways because a lot of the elites are going to go to Berlin. Why not just make that the, the world championship event? You can still have the, the rest of the marathon going, but have like an, an elite heat of that. And um, I don't know, because like you said, people were dropping out of the one in Qatar. Uh, it was happening at midnight, like we've talked about in the past. It just seemed forced to me that the world championship was was done in that way and then in berlin you get a guy coming two seconds away from breaking the world record and it's like well the world championship's happening right now and we're having these crazy times being it just felt weird to me yeah that guy the the kaylee two seconds off the world record but not the world champion i know that's i mean it's insane could could you guys imagine running 26.2 miles and finishing two seconds off of a world marathon of a world record. Just like, Oh, the thought of that just gives me like a stomach ache. Like I, like I can't even, I mean, I'm guy, the guy won the, uh, uh, you know, a world marathon. He won Berlin and I'm sure he made a, a nice chunk of change, but to think that you could, you could have made history if you were two seconds faster. Yeah. And we were talking about like the, the mixed four by four earlier and how it's like a brand new event. So world records, I mean, this is the marathon. This is one of the oldest events in running and, you know, the most prominent distance event of all time. And you are two, over 26 miles, two hours worth of running, and it is one Mississippi, two Mississippi. Right there. That is the difference between you being the world record holder in the marathon. That must be, like, so bittersweet to win the Berlin Marathon and then to see that, I, oh man, that would suck. <laughs> Yeah, the world records come down since then, but in 2016 at Berlin, Bekele missed the world record by six seconds. So he's kind of yeah. like the Andy Bayer of, uh, you know, world records at marathon. So it, it's time for the streak to end, I guess. Fourth, uh, fifth time to charm, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> um, hey, before we get into the bell lap, I just want to say that this was another awesome mini interview. But to all of our listeners that we've picked up over the past six months, if you could do me a favor and pick out one person that you think would like this podcast and just tell them about it. It would mean the world to us. Um, it would and really help us grow, really help us grow. Um, but on that, let's, uh, let's kick off the bell lap. All right. So I've got, 
two things for the Bell app. My first thing is now that we are, you know, really getting through the trials and the heats at the World Championship, over the next few days, things are really going to start to heat up. We kind of talked about it earlier, but we got three women in the 800, three men in the 800 uh, in the finals. So I'm very, very excited for that. We got the 1500 meter coming up. We got a lot of the distance events coming up here, coming shortly. Um, so I think if you're not tuned in to the world championships at this point, you got to get into it now this week, because this is, you know, where medals start being handed out. Second of all, I just want to make a plug right now that any injuries caused by leaf catching on your run (laughs) peak too early is not liable for any injury suffered trying to catch a leaf on a run. I just want to make that very clear. I've already talked to my lawyers about it. I do not want to be, no charges will be pressed against peak too early. If you pull a hamstring, if you roll an ankle trying to catch a leaf, that is your problem. Figure it out. What if my lawyer was the one that got injured? Yeah, trying so that's, to catch that's a leaf? The one thing I was thinking about. My yeah. lawyer could... Yeah, we'll, uh, we'll have to figure that out. We'll have to figure that out. Trent, what do you got for people? Lawyer for my lawyer. <laughs> yeah, right. Trent, what do you got for people on the Bell app? Uh, I was going to talk world championships and, and say, anybody, you know, let me know if you need to get a bet in. If your bookie doesn't carry uh, a world championship track and field betting, you just let me know and I'll hook you up over there. Uh, uh, but not money, right? Like, we're, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. It's, it's like, it's like and, points, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, you know, Monopoly money, all that good stuff. Uh, but the leaf catching thing just made me think of, like the other day I was out running, um, did a nice little Saturday morning long run up on Heartbreak Hill in Boston, you know, got out to Newton, was doing a little bit of the marathon course. Uh, and the whole time it was just like leaf catching in my mind. And there were several times where the cars are going by, right? And you have to like make that decision. Can I catch this leaf without being nailed by this car that's going by? And uh, it's a tough decision sometimes and you got to you know, you pull up when you need to, and you got to take chances when you need to. So um, I'll, I'll just echo Mike's statement, like, be safe out there, everybody. <laughs> um, so uh, in the lost footage last week, I, I talked a little bit about how I um, I won. All right, I didn't win. I finished on the podium at Rock and Roll 5K up in Montreal. And I, I there was a story I forgot to tell. Um, I, I didn't know how I was going to do, so I did a little social experiment. I went to the starting starting line looking least like a runner as possible. I had my nine inch shorts on. I had a cotton t-shirt on and I ended up getting on the podium. And sure enough, the guy that finished second came up to me after the race and he goes, he goes, I thought you were an idiot for going out with the leader. He goes, I've never seen, I've never seen a guy in a cotton shirt run that well. He goes, I didn't expect that from you. So just a little social experiment that I, that ended up working out. I thought it was pretty funny. Um, Other than that, guys, I would have run faster, but I peaked too early. Mike, Hit me with the Josie. I know you know my boyfriend is out of town. So have a drink, let's talk it over. So many things I shouldn't be saying now. You know I like my boys a little bit older. I just want to use your love tonight, 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 tonight. I don't want to lose your love
Well, yeah, this is this is a hell of a way to start the day, huh? But it feels good having that all done. I'm just gonna come home and it's a night, and then I'm done for the week. Yeah, it's like not. it's like waking up early for a run, though. It's like every time you have to set that alarm and you wake up, you like hate it, even though it feels great after. Like you can yeah. never, your body just can't figure it out that it feels good to get up early to get yeah. stuff done. It just I've done it so much over the last two weeks that it's just like becoming my normal routine now. I actually yeah. kind of like it. I was in bed. <laughs> I was in bed by like nine o'clock last night. It was awesome. And I am willing to take the break that we are on the brink of. My cup is on the table. I love is spilling, waiting there for you to take and drink of. If you're tired of the same old story, oh, turn some pain. Until you put on me like a sweet sunshine. Oh. 